I'm Dave Hanso. And I'm Morgan Hanso. And you're listening to the LGH TV podcast. A place where we discuss topics that matter. And have conversations with people that inspire us. Hi, and welcome to the newest podcast from LGH TV. And uh, it is episode 16. And what is it entitled? Okay, off the fly. Um, in process. In process. Uh, so once again, we're here in our dining room, and we are recording this new episode 16 podcast for LGH TV, and I think we'll jump right into it. Do we have any uh, any announcements? No, we're still contemplating the Kickstarter campaign, so keep us accountable, because that will happen. Don't worry. Um, actually, it's kind of funny, because Jaden, you told, you told the kids yesterday, right, that we were kind of considering this idea? Yeah. And then... On the way to school, she had this amazing, brilliant uh, picture of of the video we need to shoot for for the Kickstarter. Like just on and her own, she's yeah. like, "Oh, I know what you can do for a video." And then she comes up with this like wild, imaginative. Her laying in her bed, having a nightmare, and then sits up, and she's wearing a "Fear is a Liar" T shirt, and tells it to like, you know, the fear is a liar; it's not real, and then. <laughs> turn down for what starts and she yeah. starts dancing and i mean she's amazing she's that's a, funny yeah that's great most creative i feel like maybe we should roll with that no we're doing that i'm i'm actually getting ready to leave town for four days tomorrow yep. i'm going on a retreat and you're gonna single parent for four days yes i am i'm pumped yeah, yeah. it's good uh, i mean we survive when you're gone we don't thrive but we totally survive we've done this a ton over the years but um yeah, it's it's like uh, you just do whatever you can to make sure that they're alive oh, when gosh. you get back. <laughs> There's a lot of pizza and movies and... Um, oh, probably don't make them take a shower. No, I do. I'm not that bad, but no, we'll be fine. We'll be I great. don't hover. I don't prepare anything, make anything advanced. No. I don't do that. I'm a grown-up. Like... I can do this. <laughs> right. Um, Let's, and you're kind of nasally because you've been... Yeah, I've been really sick, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of getting over it. And, and I'm keeping uh, my distance. You are. And I'm not sick. Not Knock on wood. wood. So, uh, again, for this topic, it's something that you kind of brought up to me, mm-hmm. partly because of a comment a friend of yours made to you a while back. And so, yeah, I would love if you just start us off. Right. Okay. Well, so this today's podcast actually just stems from uh, a little excerpt in Brene Brown's latest book, Rising Strong. And we did talk last fall, we did an episode about her previous book, Daring Greatly, talked about vulnerability and shame, and that was really powerful. So the funny part is it stemmed because I I bought this book on pre-release back in August when it first, right before it came out. And uh, it's been sitting on our shelf and I finally, in January, decided to pick it up because it's kind of one of those things where you like you know you should read it and it's going to be good for you, but you avoid it because you're scared of going there, wherever there may be. Um, and because I have, you know, it's kind of talking about how you are brave and you get back up after you fall or fail, it just kind of felt like it was too close to home. Um you know, we've kind of alluded to the fact in a few podcasts that that what we've done with LGH TV and this 
dream that we have has not necessarily panned out the way we thought it was going to, that it's more, a lot more like a journey and planting seeds than seeing immediate results. Mm. And that I think in an, a day and age where everything is so instant and you can instantly get likes and comments and feedback that we're in this for the journey and the long haul. And so for us, it's kind of like we've had these unmet expectations that have felt like failure. And so I've avoided it. So I finally decided to pick it up. And I, I mean, I, <laughs> I had uh, more likes and more comments on my Instagram post um, about this than I think I have on any other post I've done. So I knew it was something that resonates. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I only, and I think the intro, I was already crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if I was crying, that probably meant you were, because you cry more than I do. Oh, yeah, for sure. So anyways, it was this little part about, and I, I guess maybe I should just read it. It's It says, we've fallen and we have skinned knees and bruised hearts to prove it. But scars are easy to, easier to talk about than they are to show. And with all the remembered feelings laid bare, and rarely do we see wounds that are in the process of healing. I'm not sure if it's because we feel too much shame to let anyone see a process as intimate as overcoming hurt, or if it's because even when we muster the courage to share our still incomplete healing, people reflexively look away. Hmm. We much prefer stories about falling and rising to be inspirational and sanitized. We like stories, um, recovery stories, to move quickly through the dark so we can get to the sweeping redemptive ending. Wow. I mean, it's incredibly true. We often, I feel feel like we give ourselves more credit than we deserve when we often think we're being vulnerable with our stories. But what we we typically do, um, speaking on on my behalf, is, is we share past failures thinking I'm being vulnerable, thinking I'm being brave by sharing them. But I only share them when enough time has passed. Mm. When enough time has passed so that I, uh, we've come out on the other end and we're, and we're fine. Um, that, that seems as if I'm being brave by sharing some past wound when in reality the scar has already formed and it looks presentable. Right. Well, and if you think about that on a really tangible, physical level, you know, I think of even like last year when <laughs> you fell through, <laughs> I laugh, I mean, it could have been really bad, but you fell through the roof in the garage, slid down a ladder I don't know how you didn't get more hurt, but your whole shin was basically like skinned down to the bone. Really, it is nasty. And so, you know, our immediate reaction when people show us a wound, something that's open, is to like turn away an aversion or make a, I'm going to throw up, (laughs) you know, whereas once it's healed, you can share the scar yeah. With kind of confidence because you know you've already overcome, like it's already healed. And people don't turn away and some people think, you know, scars are awesome and bad A, you right. know? Well, and there's a reality, you know, to, to give to give some people credit and to give us credit. Like there's a reason why you bandage up a wound, a freshly cut wound. Um, you bandage it up until it heals. So there there is a, there's a process that we all go through to... Um, to, to either deal with something that hurt us to um, 
you know, there's a reason why you have band-aids. Uh, but, but there's also a value in, in sharing the process mm. of, of, of being healed. And for the most part, that's where life is lived. Oh, I know, but I don't like that. <laughs> and I, I think that's where we're stuck to, or I, sorry, I guess I shouldn't say we. Uh, I feel like that's where I get stuck too, is, you know, even in everything that we're processing and things that we're working towards, I keep asking myself, when do we arrive? When do I get there? Like, when do we, when does it get easier instead of being okay with the process because it's actually uncomfortable? Yeah. I think we've been conditioned to, you know, bandage and push down in order just to get somewhere and not be okay with the journey and the process. Yeah. No, that's, it's really true. I mean, it's so uncomfortable to live in the in-between. It's so uncomfortable um, when you're in the process of healing from a past wound or even attempting some dream, some new business, some new relationship. It's so uncomfortable to be in that place of not knowing how something's going to turn out, not understanding what tomorrow is going to look like. Um, you, you, so we so desperately want to arrive at a place, at a destination that, um, all the while forgetting, like I said previously, the, the most of life, most of the good parts of life, the dirt, the grime, the, the everyday, the, the passion, the whatever, it happens in the in-between. It happens in the process. Mm. And so we, we really strip, strip most of life, uh, most of life's power, I think, um, most, of life's, most of life, for that matter, we strip it of, of its value when we assume that life begins when, mm. that, that when we heal, when it gets better, when things work out, when our dreams come true, when our whatever our business gets to where it needs to go, um, when we finally get that relationship we've been wanting, whatever it is, uh, we strip most of life of its power when um, and its and its value when we assume that's life begins when. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I I think part of you know our conditioning is to hide that stuff. You know, whether it's a physical mess that's easy, you know, like something going on in your life that you can kind of keep behind closed doors or whether it's actually the mess in your mind. I think sometimes we think about these things as circumstantial when a lot of the times some of our biggest wounds are actually in our minds, you know, in between our ears. And it's hard to actually talk about like the stuff that we're struggling with in our heads. Yeah. Um, you know, I think part of it is that it's vulnerable and it goes, I think it goes back to that vulnerability. Like if we don't actually know and love ourselves, um, then we kind of let people's reactions, you know, either fear of people's reactions or people's reactions shame us. And then we just learn to protect ourselves and build a barrier to keep, you know, well, and we, well won't, we won't talk about it then. Yeah, we just share the things that we um, that we're really comfortable with sharing. Like that's that's just human human our human tendencies are to protect, and mm. so <clears throat> we only discuss, we only bring up when uh, t- times in our life that uh, that have gone well, that we've dealt with, that are that are figured out, that have 
that we've arrived at. Um, and usually we only share the hard stuff with a, with a really close group of people, if anybody. Well, I think, yeah, because we want it all tidy. We want it like packaged with a bow. We want the story, the, you know, the blurb on what was hard and then, oh, and then we arrived and when da 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 You know, we just want things clean. But I think you're right. Most of life, we miss most of life if we think, that life only happens when you have those tidy little boxes and bows packaged, packages with the bows. Um, we're going to miss that. Yeah. We're going to miss life because it's really lived in that tension. I, I don't know where I heard it, but the other day I was just reading, maybe I was reading something in a magazine and it was saying actually the most brave thing that you can do is to actually acknowledge your feelings. So later on she, in that same chapter, she goes back and she just says that we can do tremendous damage if we only embrace the failure without acknowledging the pain and the actual hurt. I think that sometimes we have the tendency to just wash over things, like not acknowledge our own feelings and why they're there. And I think part of that comes from, like you said, a protective mechanism. But how do we how do we own our own stories? How do we really acknowledge what's going on in a deeper level? Because I think the easier thing is just to move over the feelings rather than say like, well, why? ask the questions. Like, why is this hurting me so much? Why am I feeling like this? Hmm. Why is it, why do I, why is it causing fear and anxiety? Why don't I want to leave the house? Like, because usually I think, when we have an experience that is wounding or painful, um, I think sometimes it's, sometimes we know what it is. It's like you can easily point to it, but a lot of the times when you have something, it's really about something else. Like something happens and it's kind of like the breaking point, but there may be a deeper issue of why these feelings or why that situation caused those emotions, that response. Well, you know, I, I remember early on in our marriage, we would look at, um, you know, any any time that, uh, well, let me step back and just say, you know, you come from a family where we, both of our families really own their own businesses and and your dad tended to work a lot. I mean, he's an amazing dad. He still is an amazing guy, uh, but he worked a lot. And so I remember, the, you know, the moments where I would even work a few minutes longer than what you had anticipated, that there was some wound in you that, that you assumed the worst. You mm. you would look at me working an extra half an hour and think, you're a workaholic, Dave. Like you're, I can't believe you're doing this. Like you're, you're choosing your work over me and, and things like this. And, and it wasn't about the half hour that I was long, you know, like, and, and now 15 years into our marriage, which is crazy. Know. We're going to be celebrating 15 <laughs> years this year. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've come to realize, oh, this isn't about this. It's about right. that. This, this, that's about some wound that you had that you would seen your dad kind of work a lot. And so you would assume that if I was going to work a lot, um, that it must have, you know, I must be exactly like that, or I'm going to always work a lot or whatever it is. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty minor one. And, um, but, but yeah, often there's, there are these small wounds from our past that make us not open up, make us not understand why, why we're feeling wounded today. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, as storytellers, I, I think that's kind of what we've always been, whether we were doing work in Uganda or, you know, the stuff that we're doing now with 
the find. It's always about telling stories. But I think so much of life is owning our own story. How do we own what's happening, the choices we've made, the things that have happened to us, I mean, that that weren't our choices? How do we own that and then know that our stories aren't our own, that the collective humanity needs our stories? Because I think, you know, the biggest fear is that we're alone in our frustration, our pain, our brokenness. Uh, what we need is people who are by our side who say, oh yeah, I've been there. This is my story. Or even braver, I'm dealing with that right now. This is what it looks like. Here's, let me open up. Here's the mess of who I am and what I'm struggling with and what I'm thinking, yeah. you know, to know that you're not alone. Well, I think culturally, we, you know, we talked about this for a couple minutes before we jumped on this podcast, but I think the 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 churches, the pastors who are least effective are the ones who only share their past struggles and and it masquerades as vulnerability. It masquerades mm-hmm. as look at me, I'm sharing my wounds and I'm being vulnerable with with all of you uh, when in reality um, they don't they only share things that are five years and past. And so I think it's done a disservice mm. because um, the religious community, as a whole, are some of the least vulnerable people because they're posing often. They're often, um, we are often uh, acting as if we're okay, we're fine, everything's good because we're we're scared to share the other side of of what life is really like. Um, and so the pastor who gets up there and only shares stories from the past and never something from the present hasn't been given the opportunity um, and isn't offering the opportunity for those who are listening to hear um, and to feel like they're in a place where uh, their story at this moment matters. This story before mm. something gets resolved has value. The story, uh, their life's before uh, their marriage gets gets healed, um, that there's there's value in it right now. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, and I and a friend of mine's always told me too that our stories aren't our own and neither are our healing. So yeah, it's easier to tell something when it's healed when we can show a scar. It's a lot more difficult to show it when it's a wound. And I and I think the reason for that is because people are so judgmental. Oh. Yeah. I just think we have to start to understand what it looks like to be kind to one another, to love one another, to um, to have grace with each other, and not to judge. Because I think that's the fear that I show something that's messy or I talk about something that I'm questioning, and then everybody flips out and points out how you've fallen off the deep end or I can't believe you'd have those thoughts or, you know, yeah, your life's messed up. Instead of being like, yeah. I, I'm sorry that you're struggling with that or yeah, those are some great questions and making space for each other. I think that's the biggest thing. How do we make space for ourselves while we're in process and in in the tensions and then hold that space so that you can actually have real healing take place and you're Mm. not just throwing a bandaid on it. We don't allow for questions in our society. No, well, we we really don't. And I, as you were speaking about this, and this may seem like a tangent, but I think it's the same thought. It's the same um, same vein. Is 
right now we're in the middle of middle of you know political season and um, what, this has been an interesting thing that I've noticed is um, candidates who are trying to put down other candidates will will point out how they flip flopped how. Years ago, they said this thing, and now they say this thing. And yet, years ago, they voted this way, and today they're voting this way. And yes, there are cases where it is just simply by you know whatever can get the most votes. But the truth is, is we're all in process. Like when we begin to view people as one day they say this, and one day they say this, and somehow that's bad. Like and it's all black and white. Like it's well, and then it's not growth. Like mm-hmm. I don't want a candidate. I don't want a friend who's the same five years ago as they are today. If I'm the same, if I view life the same way I did five years ago uh, or in five years from now as I do today, like that's bad. That's That's not a a good thing. We're all in process. We're all growing. And so when I view, when we all hold, you know, politicians to say, well, no, 10 years ago you voted this way or you said this thing or you did this bad thing. How can I trust you today? Like, we would never want people to hold us in that same way. Like, I hope we're different than we were 10 years Mm ago. Majority, like, I would say three quarters of the stuff I believed about politics, religion, uh, even us in our marriage, the way I thought I'd raise kids, it is all different than it was 10 years ago for me. Like, I don't believe most of what I believed 10 years ago. And probably thank God. Oh, thank God. I, I hope I don't. Yeah. And yet we, when we hold other people to those things that we don't want to be held ourselves, um, there's a problem. There's, a, there's an issue at a societal level, but that permeates us to the point where we don't feel like we have the, um, the freedom to be also in process. Hmm. It's like it kind of boils down to the golden rule almost. Like, Treat other people as you would want to be treated. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's... There's some truth to that. Love people like you would want to be loved. Yeah. You don't want people holding you to, you know, something or the worst. So stop holding other people to the worst or, you know, violating their um, vulnerability by, you know, having them share something and then you talk about it behind their back or you gasp when they show you you know, their wound instead of ask how yeah. you can, what do you need from me? How can I help you? I remember, what does that look like? I remember, um, I remember years ago when we, you know, we had really gone through like a really difficult time in our marriage and I had really messed up in a bunch of ways. I, re- I remember having a friend of ours, Sarah, who one day, um, like all this stuff had just kind of come up and boiled up and we were kind of letting our small community of friends know like, Hey, this is what's gone on. Um, you know, we're working on our marriage, but man, this has been a hard season. I remember this friend of ours, Sarah, who comes up to me, uh, right after kind of all this had come out and, um, she walks up to me. Because we had just dropped our kids. Just dropped our kids off at the preschool. preschool, So we had gone Preschool as well. And I remember her the moment you told her, I think probably in tears, like, hey, this is what's happened and we're working on whatever. I don't even know what you said. But like in an instant, right? She walks like, I can't even share it without crying, um, walks directly over to me and doesn't know details, doesn't know anything, doesn't know where we're heading, doesn't know what life looks like in the future. Um, Comes over me, gives me a hug, right? 
And yeah, because you me, think you stayed at the car, probably. Out of shame, out of like embarrassment, out of saying, gosh, yeah, this is what we're dealing with in our marriage. These are some of the choices I've made. And um, I didn't say any of those things. You know, she just she just knew. And um, she walks over to me and, and gives me a hug and says, I think she says, like, you know, I love you. We love you. We're here for you. Like, mm. and it was it was in the wound in the like process in the like my heart had been torn your heart had been torn we were in the like the dirt the grime the slog the like the part where i just wanted to crawl under a rock and hide and pretend like i was fine you know what i mean whatever and and in that there was such extreme power i mean i remember I barely remember any part of that season of my life it's part of the one that where we really dealt with it and we've kind of moved on but I remember this. Mm. This is probably what I remember more vividly than anything is because there was such power in it. The moment where she's like, hey, I forgive. We we love you. We're here for you. In the middle of that wound being just wide open. Mm. It, it hadn't healed. It's easy for people to come around two years later and see that we've, you know, went through like just a crazy amount of work and healed our healed these wounds and worked on our marriage and all you know all the stuff that's easy that's easy to come and say wow that's really commendable guys way to go like that's amazing but to be in it mm. during the wound still bleeding and to say no i see you i see you right now i see you in the middle of this um there was such power in that yeah it's true and if i transplant myself back in that time period which actually it's already been Six years. Is that... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think one of the ways that we got to the healing, it's, a, you know, the fastest and one of the reasons why we came through so quickly um, is because I think we were open. Hmm. Because we didn't push things under the rug. We didn't hide. We just were really open and saying, here we are. This is what we're dealing with. This is the mess. We're still bleeding, but like, here we are. Here we are. And and I and I to this day I remember people's responses. You know, the people who like Sarah were loving, and then the people who, when you first tell them, were you know said ridiculous things, like maybe out of a good heart. I don't know, but you're like, just so much is based on how it's so important the way we react to people's vulnerability and to recognize that. You know, like it's a big deal to share something, but to watch what you say, because as soon as you say those things, you can't take them back. Hmm. And so and you can't take it back when you glance away or look down or Or gasp. just be really mean and you know? just be like really judgmental. We had so definitely if, people that were really judgmental and you know, the hard part is, is years go by and then they deal with stuff as well. And they wouldn't want to be dealt with in the same way they dealt with us. And so, <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, I, th- I think you're right, is the willingness for us to be open and the people who could look at that wound, bleeding, horrible looking, you know, mess of a life I had, we had made and I had made um, and to say, no, no, I see you in there. And you're going to be okay, mm-hmm. and you're going to be fine. And we're saying, okay, we're fully exposed. Um, that's the very thing that led to healing. That's yeah. the very thing that brings life into situations that feel lifeless. Yeah, and so when people ask, how do we get through? You know, I guess my, our answer would be open up. Like, yeah. be vulnerable. I know it's scary. 
And I know it's, you know, it feels like I can't do that, but you can. Um, I'm, it's interesting. I'm actually in the beginning stages of a collaborative book that I'm trying to uh, work with about a dozen different women that I've met over the years who've gone through some really hard things in their lives, you know, eating disorders, loss of children, um, family members. Yeah. yeah just, just like really hard stuff, hard things, but have come through to the other side and have worked through the pain and the suffering and the wounds to heal, come to a place of healing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, not healed, but healing. Yeah. That's, that's the key huh. is they're in, they are in the process of healing. They're on the other side, meaning they are healing. Uh, I think the lie that we tell ourselves is one day we arrive. One yeah, day or when you're going to be fully healed. One day you're going to just, you're, and I think on this side of, of heaven, this side of, of life and death, like that doesn't happen. That's mm-hmm. not real. That's, that's been sold to us in a movie um, and TV shows that always have a necessary ending. And you have to assume that everything has turned out fine in whatever story you just right. saw. Um, but that's not real. Yeah, because keep... I feel like I guess that we're always in process. You know, we're never going to fully arrive. So how do we learn to live in that place of healing? That sounds a lot better. Yeah. Um, um, we just fixed some mic <laughs> issue that we no had. Problem. Um, I think one of the more frustrating things for me um, is when we hear about some friends or some somebody. It doesn't even have to be a friend that we hear that they'd been struggling for months with something or they'd been struggling with something for years or some business was going under and you didn't know any of it. Hmm. There is this assumption in our culture that um, it's better to say, yeah, things are fine. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're okay. Yeah, the company's doing okay. Yeah, financially we're fine. Yeah, really. Um, versus dealing with it. Or because... like you hear a business is closing or somebody is getting a divorce or something and you're like I didn't even know things were bad yeah. I didn't know there was a struggle there right and so you're we could have been back. there right we almost you almost feel offended from the outside because you realize no I would have loved to been there for you it's not even a, because my story is your story and your story is my story we're all in this thing together um, but it takes one person it takes the one couple it takes the what whoever to to be the first to step into that to yeah. say yep we're a mess we're in it Yeah. So how do we live with grace for ourselves and others while we're in process? And when I say in process, I mean in life. Like, how do we live with grace for ourselves in this life? Um, You know, because it's easier to say that things are okay. It's the easier way. And we know that ism, like, easier isn't always better. So I think it's just this commitment to be vulnerable, but then also a commitment to make space and then hold that space for the tensions of when things are really mucky and hard. Um, and to use little words, you know. Use I think few words, yeah. Little words. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking like short words. <laughs> Only words with three letters. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean. Few words, yeah. Watch what you're saying. Watch how you respond. And just be okay with, you know, offering your, your support and your – and, and sometimes your silence, like, I'll just sit with you. I'll just hear when you need me. Hmm. But also, and, and encouraging and commending them for their bravery. Because I think so much of it is recognizing what bravery and courage is and then reinforcing that. 
Yeah. Because people want to be that. They, and I think, so we have to encourage that by not shaming it, but, you know, reward, not, not rewarding, applauding it. Uh, it. That's right. Yeah, responding in a way that brings, um, yeah, uh, not brings healing, not more division. Yeah, brings brings you together, not not further. Right. Well, you know, in this rising strong, she kind of, I, I haven't read far beyond the second chapter because it's just, I don't know. It, I've just been taking it in little digestible pieces because I feel like it's been so rich and it just brings up a lot of, just stirs the pot for me. So, um, but kind of the basis is how she goes through this three parts. It's called the wrecking, the reckoning, the rumbling, and the revolution. And she says, you know, the reckoning is the part where you own your own emotions. So, um, and then the rumbling is when you are honest with yourselves and our emotions. And we wrestle with the questions of like the why, what triggers this? Why am I feeling like this? What stories am I making up in my head? And realizing that like nothing is wasted. Like when the the rumbling is kind of where the change starts to take place. And then the revolution is the change. It's when we've kind of like rumbled our stories out. We own our stories and then we can rewrite a more courageous ending. And we kind of change the trajectory of how we engage with people because we were there and we've dealt with it and we've owned it. Yeah. And now things are different and we see things different and we make space. We have a, a comedian that I love, Pete Holmes. He always talks about taking the furniture out of his... Of, oh, and yeah. When he says that, he, he's referring to... There was a period of his life where um, he began taking all the furniture out of his house. I mean, not, not, not literally, but um, t- the beliefs that he had held so true about the world, about himself, about spiritual things, about everything. He, he, there was this season where you have to like pull it all out. And then slowly, you begin repositioning that furniture or new furniture back in and giving it its appropriate place how you look at the world how you and i think what what's interesting is often we only invite people to look at our story once all that furniture is back in we assume right we want to show that the the pinterest perfect picture of after it's all been decorated and it's cute and these are the things i now believe and this is who i am instead of knowing that as soon as that process of putting all that furniture back in happens, guess what? Some of that furniture is going to get pulled out again, and some of it's going to get put back in again. And years later, some of it's going to be rearranged. And sometimes you're going to move the the couch over to the other side. And sometimes you're going to move your beliefs about what you think about God over here, and what you believe about your wife, and how what you believe about yourself, and your, you know, our position in the world, and uh, whatever. The the truth is, is we never arrive. We never get to that place. And so if we're all waiting to the point in time where everything's good, where we, we, we have solid beliefs before we invite other people into our story, where everything's fine with our marriage before we invite people to look at us, where everything's fine, you know, in your, in your businesses and your dreams and your, if you're waiting for that time, it's not going to come. Because the moment you put the furniture back in, you're going to be pulling and rearranging because that's what life is. Life is lived in the process. Oh, that's good. And it's so exhausting. I just think about like cleaning a house when before you have people coming over. Yeah. You know, we we try to tidy up before we let people in. Right. <laughs> and it's so exhausting and it's so fake. 
Well, because the moment they walk in, they look at it and go, man, my house never looks like this. It never looks this good. And so we're perpetuating the cycle of, yeah, yeah, this is how we always live. Give me a freaking break. Yeah. Our countertops have always have stuff on it. That's just how we are. Like we're, we're a mess. I think we're a beautiful mess. I really, I really do. I, I think we're a beautiful mess, but we're a mess. So that's where we, I mean, that's the charge then. How do we stop cleaning, cleaning up, tidying, tidying up, putting on the masks instead of exposing ourselves, being vulnerable and by exposing (laughs) (laughs) not an exhibitionist, but you know, how do we, you know, kind of pull the curtain away and say, this is who we are. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm wrestling with. These are the thoughts I'm having. These are the questions. And and make space in your lives to have those conversations, to be real and honest with people, and to hold that space until you're at a place where you can, um, well, I guess we don't arrive, but like, yeah, where you can wrestle with stuff enough to know that there's healing taking place and that you're moving in a new direction. So our hope for you is that you begin to see the beauty in the mess that the beauty isn't when everything's tidied up it's in the mess and until you and i have eyes to see the beautiful mess that is our lives that is us that is our beliefs that is our families that is our companies our businesses our dreams our futures our past until we begin to have eyes to see that we're going to be missing out on a majority of life i've already had this conversation with our son this last week we'll wrap up with this story but We had a snow day yesterday. Um, There was so much snow here in Colorado, and we don't typically get these. And um, we we wake up, and um, our daughter is (laughs) crying when I tell her that there's a snow day and there's no school because she's so bummed. She loves just the social interaction. She loves school. She loves routine. Loves routine. She was already jumping in the shower, getting ready for school at six thirty a.m. And I went in and said, "Hey, you know, there's it's a snow day." She she starts crying. A few minutes later, Asher, our son, walks down and he goes, hey, why didn't you wake me up? I, this was time for me to get up. And he says, and I say to him, well, buddy, it's it's a snow day. And you would have thought I, I would have given him a million dollars right there because he just starts jumping up and cheering and you know, so excited. And, and after a little bit, I you know, that's, that's every kid and that's fine. I love that he's excited that he gets a day off him. But we've been noticing already in fifth grade, he's a great student. He likes school. Um but he's already looking forward to the weekend. So I said, "Hey, why? Why is your? Why are you so excited about no school? You know, what? We have nothing planned today. I was going to work, and mom needs to get work done. You know, you're just going to be at home and with us, and um, you know." And he says, "Well, because that means we only have four more days until the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like instead of five more days in this week, we only have four more days until the weekend." And I looked at him, and you know, we had a chat about, "But you're going to miss out on a lot of life." You're going to be missing out five out of every seven days and the whole school year until summertime, um, you're going to be missing out on if you don't begin to find some fun, some joy, some life, even in the school days. If you're only looking for the weekend, and I think it was just this perfect picture that if you and I don't have eyes to see the beauty and the mess that is us in process us in our wounds, us in our healing, us in our taking furniture out and putting it back in. Man, this life is going to be really, really short. And uh, we're going to miss out on a lot. Yeah. 
That's good. And so with that, um, are we gonna are we gonna jump over to what is inspiring, oh, inspiring. us this week? I don't. You, yeah, you can't miss it. <clears throat> All right. So what is inspiring you this week, Morgan? Oh. Call me by my name very often. That's weird. I was just kind of <laughs> stumped me. I was like, "Oh, he used my name." Um, the Robcast mm. this last week. I've listened to a, a couple of them, which is Rob Bell's podcast, by the way. Right. And we Rob know Cast. that some of you love Rob Bell, and some of you are like, "You are horrible that you listen to him." We would say, Whew, "There's some gold <laughs> and some judge. glory in there." Don't judge us, because um, man, there's some good stuff. You know, a good friend of mine said, oh my gosh, you got to listen to this one this week. It's totally for you. And then yesterday you're like, you got to listen to the one from, you know, this week. It's like, it's right where we're, you know, the stuff we're dealing with and these questions that we're asking of this whole last week, I've been cleaning out the, the papers at the LGH office from the last, you know, we're changing up the office a little bit. So I've been going through filing cabinets and I'm like getting rid of papers from 2008, 9, 10, 11, when we had an internship program and this thing called the spread campaign where we were selling necklaces and and I'm like finding myself crying (laughs) a lot of crying going on recently um crying as I'm like pulling staples out and putting them in the shred box because I have these like momentary things of like oh my gosh the best is behind us like that was as good as it got remember that time when it was like really bumping and people were joining us and on this uh, adventure and moving to our town to be a part of this That'll never happen. I don't know. It was just despair. I was just living in the fear that we've talked about. Mm. But um, yeah, so this the Robcast this week was actually Rob being really vulnerable about his transition away from being a full-time teaching pastor at Mars Hill, the church that he started, and then writing a book that um, most people out backlashed against or a lot of people did before they ever read it (laughs) um and so going on tour with the book and having like 63 people show up and when in the previous you know tours he would have had 1200 and just that wrestling with that same question where he asked is the best behind me and so you're like oh my gosh that's exactly where i am so it's just been good just been really good Hmm. Well, you just want to know you're not, I mean, the same thing. I just want to know I'm not alone, that other people have felt what I've felt and that they made it through. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Well, two minutes before we turned on this podcast, you and I were listening to a song um, about Macklemore, well, by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, who uh, I briefly mentioned on last week's podcast, but uh, this is a different song, Growing Up, it's called, and uh, he wrote it for his daughter, I think a few months before she was born. And uh, I was blown away by it. Mm. So um, growingupsong.com, you can go to it, download it. And uh, man, he put some stuff into perspective. But I don't want to ruin it. You just go and check it out. It's free. It's a free download. He didn't, they didn't hype it. They didn't do any advertising. He just put it out a few months ago. It's called growingupsong.com. Go check it out. Uh, it moved me. I was moved to tears mm. a couple times during <laughs> it. So. And with that... There's another LGH TV podcast for you. Go out and live bold, big, beautiful lives. Absolutely. And vulnerable. And be vulnerable. real. And let other be- people be real too. Um, as always, you can find LGH online, lgh.tv. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, LGH underscore TV. 
And you can find us on Facebook by searching for LGH TV now. We were able to officially change our name over by writing them. Yep. So. LGH TV all the way around. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, our website. And, uh, and of course, here every Tuesday with the podcast. Thanks Have so much. a great week. All right. Bye.